1: Well, how are we doing today? IB Nation Sports Talk is up and running. Hope you're having a great day. I'm Sean Styers along with Jesse Styers. And I know that uh, you know, a lot of people, uh, a lot of our people are used to coming in and, and uh, you get the Brian Driscoll slash Ryan show, you know, uh, early in the afternoon. And then uh, you come on here and, you know, it's me with either Jesse or, or Vince and, and uh the guys have been off the last couple of days with everything that Brian and his wife are going through with with their dog. Hopefully things are going better here pretty soon, but uh we will uh we will try to pick you up and and get you going here today. So, I don't know if Salty is is being sarcastic with his nice Sean exclamation points or just maybe he's just being having a little fun because it's only 6:02 right now and we actually started on time. <laughs> tonight. How are you, Jess?
2: <laughs> I'm doing good. It's It's been a pretty good week. Um, I was supposed to go to Florida starting tomorrow, but that got yeah. canceled uh, because of all the hurricane weather. So that's unfortunate. Knocked out um, some vacation days in, in the Marco Island. So instead of having tomorrow off, I'm doing the noble thing and, and working because why not? <laughs>
1: that's right. That is absolutely right. You know, we had a mailbag show yesterday, so we're going to do something a little differently today and I started thinking about this earlier in the week you know because it's Thursday if there was a game Saturday we'd be previewing the game and you know kind of doing some breakdown and x's and o's and all that kind of stuff and Anthony notices that Jesse showed up on time unlike Vince (laughs) yesterday so well done well done but yes you know so if we had a game Saturday we'd be previewing it and talking about it and all that stuff but we don't have a game because it's By week and i saw somebody earlier say well at least we don't have to worry about a loss it's like man are you that inflicted right now you're just automatically even on a two-game win streak i know i know and you know coming off their best game to boot but uh so we have no game to preview and you know we of course we usually do rapid fire at the end of each show but i thought well you know what i've got kind of a a bank of, of a lot of different topics here. Why don't we just do an all-rapid-fire show? We did the mailbag show yesterday, so we're just going to do all-rapid-fire today. We've got a lot of different topics that we're going to get to. We've got some Marcus Freeman. We're going to uh, there's something to do with Brian Kelly that's going to come up there. We've got some comments from Mac Brown about Notre Dame. We've got a lot of different stuff that we're going to get to in today's show. And uh, for all of our YouTube viewers you can, uh, you know, you can still throw a question or two at us if you'd like, and maybe we can slip them in along the way. So feel free to do that. If you know, it's like I said, we had mailbag last night, but it's all rapid fire tonight. And so we're just going to go for a while. And uh, we, you know, we want to make sure that you get your, your uh, IV fix. So throw the questions in if you want. And, you know, like I said, we'll, uh, we'll try to get them in there for you. And, You know, I always ask you to like, subscribe, rate, review, all that stuff. I know most people are tired of hearing about it right now. But if you would, you know, hit that like button if you're in here right now. But our YouTube listeners always get to chime in, you know, because we've got the live chat. And, you know, just like yesterday with the mailbag and all that stuff. So um, here's what I'm going to do for our audio podcast listeners. You know, whether it's like Blue Wire, Apple, Spotify, wherever. If you give us a five-star review on one of the audio platforms and leave a comment for us, comment, question, whatever you want. We'll read them next week. So we don't, we, you know, we haven't really, um, let, you know, it's, it's harder to be interactive with, with the audio podcast because obviously it's after the fact we take the, you know, the audio from the live video and we post it afterwards, but leave us a, leave us a nice review. Give us a five star, leave us a comment question, whatever it happens to be. And, uh, We'll get into some of those next week. What do you think about that, Jess? I think that
2: sounds like a, a great idea to all the listeners out there. I mean, you get to, get to, get to give your favorite podcast a five-star rating, get to leave a, a review, and then yeah. you get one of your an- uh, answers question next week. Uh, and it's <laughs> going to be a big week against BYU. So I'm sure that there's going to be lots of questions, lots of opinions, and a lot of just curious people.
1: Yep. I, you know, Anthony, I, I, uh, I asked Vince if he wanted to come in because I mentioned yesterday, we might just do a full rapid fire show and he's got stuff going on, so we won't be able to do that. But Vince uh, always
2: has stuff going on. (laughs) That's
1: very true. That is very true. And it's different. He might be one of the people that has the most stuff going (laughs) on. That's right. There's no doubt about that. So, uh. So go ahead and do that, and uh, you know, like I said, we got a lot of different topics today. You wanna you wanna get to the first one right now? Yeah, I think we
2: should uh, hit the ground running. Why not?
1: All right, here we go. No, Anthony's right. He does have five kids, and that does keep him hopping. So (laughs) that's uh, on
2: top of that's like the cherry on
1: top. Yeah, that's right. That's that's on top of like two and a half full time jobs and (laughs) everything else that comes with it.
0: Determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com.
1: Okay, Jess, let's not waste any more time. Fill in the blank. The expectations for Marcus Freeman going into this first season at Notre Dame were blank.
2: The expectations for Marcus Freeman going into his first season at Notre Dame were understandably high. And what I mean by that is, uh, were the standards high? Yeah. Should they have been lower? Probably. But when you're coaching at Notre Dame and you're taking over a program that was, you know, in such great shape, all these consecutive.
1: Uh Uh-oh, it looks like we, yep. Can you hear me now? I can hear you now. I think he might have to go out and uh, come back in. I'll just give my answer to this question. I think the expectations on Marcus Freeman were largely misplaced because the expectations that I think most people had for Freeman, you know, they were largely based on things that had nothing to do with whether or not he could win on game day. You know, like uh, for example, the success Brian Kelly had over the last five years, going fifty-four. And 10, you know, like part of the expectations on Marcus Freeman were based on Brian and Kelly accomplishment with the last five years. The recruiting success that Freeman had, you know, on top of the class, you know, top of the classes in the country, one of the top classes coming into the season. I think that played into his expectations because he was doing so well and just all these things seemed to be going so well. You know, like the general kumbaya, good feel that he got after he was announced, you know, combined with, you know, the good riddance vibe basically that Brian Kelly had, you know, on his way going, you know, out of town. So I think that all those things played into the expectations that Marcus Freeman had. The bar was obviously set very high, you know, and then just kind of what you were starting to say there, Jess, the fact that it is Notre Dame on top of all these other things even add to the expectations because, again, Marcus Freeman found himself in a place that most coaches don't find themselves in. That none of the, you know, the most recent coaches have found themselves in. That is following a successful coach and jumping in and you know being a first-time head coach. Usually, you know, it it, it doesn't matter where you are. There are very few jobs where you get to come in and follow someone's success. You're usually following someone who did not do well, got fired, that kind of thing. So the bar is lower. But the bar was very high for Marcus Freeman coming right out of the shoot.
2: Yeah. So as I was getting into uh, my my very good response before, there seemed to be a hiccup in the in the internet, or as uh, I think, uh, what did Steimle say? Yes, the Amish internet. That's <laughs> that's exactly right. I don't know. I I have really high speed internet, so you have
1: some squirrels out there, you know, like running on a on a little wheel for you trying to keep it going
2: (laughs) yeah i guess i think i need to hire some more because i guess so not doing well but yeah the expectations were understandably high um and i like i said like i was getting into uh understandably is like the outside perspective you know inside me myself I, i would say that you know things have been kind of lofty uh for for what we were expecting but they're understandably high because of what you were talking about you know the consecutive 10 win seasons the, the University of Notre Dame, you know, the national presence, the being on NBC every week, like there's a lot of eyes watching. You're expected to do well. Um, at any time that, that you don't, it's considered a failure. So, you know, <laughs> thank you, Drunk Pigo. But <laughs> like you, the main thing you were talking about, and I think the hardest thing that Marcus Freeman has had to deal with is one, he's a first time head coach. And two, most of the time when you're starting out as a head coach or going into a new program, it's because like you were saying, the bar is low you're taking over a program that's underachieving, not doing well. And so right off the bat, you know, just doing better than the last guy is, is considered, you know, a success. But at Notre Dame, that's, that's not even considered, you know, the slightest success it's, you know, are we going to win 10 wins this season? Are we going to have contention for a national championship? Are we going to have contention for new year's new year's six bowl? Like the the level is very, very, very high. Um, And that's kind of what Freeman walked into and, It's understandable, but at the same time, there needs to be, you know, still the flexibility that comes with it. Yeah,
1: Derek says Yoder Communications. And I will see some Yoders tomorrow because I've got the Mishawaka-Northwood game coming up tomorrow night. And, uh, you know, you talk about Amish country, uh, Northwood High School down there in Napanee. uh, That's the heart of the Amish country in this area just outside South Bend. Should be a good matchup tomorrow night. I'm not going to get sidetracked on this, but Mishawaka just moved to number one in the state in class 5A, and Northwood is number four in this, four or five in uh, in class 4A. They're both 6-0, and 0, so should be a good one tomorrow night. But we'll see some Yoders out there <laughs> when we get out there. <laughs> For sure. All right, according to a feature piece recently on Marcus Freeman in GQ magazine, Brian Kelly had 40, pictures of himself placed around the Notre Dame football facility, the Goog like he's got 40 pictures of himself hanging on the walls before he leaves. So when Marcus Freeman took over, he told the staff not to replace them with photos of himself, just Notre Dame football. What do you think of all this, Jess? I think it's, it's very
2: on brand for both of these people, for both of these coaches. Like Brian Kelly, we all know is, you know, kind of into himself, you know, more so than I would say the average, average person. Um, And he wants to be someone who is, you know, comes off as this just very like high class, very high profile person. Um, And I think Marcus Freeman's kind of the opposite, you know, and it it could kind of go the other way where you could say it seems a little bit forced, you know, a little bit not corny, but there's a better word for it. And I think that you know i Marcus freeman saying ah, replace them all with with uh you know pictures of Notre Dame football i get that but you know you could also have one or two of yourself like you don't have to go all 40 uh but just like brian kelly having 40 that uh, that's very you know pretty ridiculous if you ask me um but like i said it's on brand for both of these people i think that brian kelly is on the one end of the spectrum and i think Marcus freeman is really on the other end of the spectrum and if you could just meet somewhere in the middle that would be ideal so it's just overall very funny. It's like, I read that and I was like, of course, Brian Kelly had forty pictures of himself inside right. the Notre Dame facility.
1: And that's what like I I envision like this would be probably like walking around any Kardashian's home. You know, like you turn the corner, there's another picture of Kim and Chris, and you know that's like everywhere you go, there's Kardashian photos inside a Kardashian home. Um, but it, it just sounds like the cult of Kelly to me, you know, like the, just the classic narcissist that we knew he is. And it, it, that's, that's what this comes down to. The fact that Brian Kelly had all these, I, I wonder exactly where they were played, you know, like it's been a couple years since before the pandemic, basically that we like the media have even been in the Goog, you know, what the, 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 the football facility that we're talking about, because we used to in the main auditorium there, like when you've seen, you know, like the auditorium. Where the team was when Brian Kelly, you know, left and told him he was leaving, you know, and walked out and that whole thing, and and some of these other like when you see some of the motivational speakers, some of the videos and stuff like that, um, who have come in like the main auditorium where they bring in the whole team. That's where they used to have the press conferences and stuff, but they haven't done that since basically what would that be? You know, basic. Gosh, the 2019 season, I guess. You know, that was the last time we were in there because the pandemic was in 2020 and they've been doing everything else differently. So like, I don't remember a lot of Brian Kelly photos around, you know, like in the places that that we were, but I'm wondering like where these photos popped up, you know, is it like, where's Waldo and and that kind of thing around the Goog, you know, it's like, here's another picture of Brian Kelly, but you're right. It's like very on brand for both like self-centered narcissist on one time or, you know, on, one hand and someone who actually cares about someone other than himself on the other hand so i guess at least they've got the latter now as their head coach
2: yeah and i would prefer the latter obviously you know for the (laughs) obvious reasons
1: yes brian kelly is like mike gundy 40 says tyler he's he's a man he's what is he like 60 some at this point brian (laughs) kelly All right, here's a quote from North Carolina head coach Mack Brown after Notre Dame smacked his team around last weekend. Quote, all of us are trying to catch them. He's talking about Notre Dame, of course. They've got a great program. They do it right. They do it within the rules, and they're really good, end quote. Brown kind of was using that to set up the fact that Notre Dame has now won 26 straight regular season games against ACC teams. So fill in the blank. It's blank. That Notre Dame has won those twenty six consecutive such games against N- uh, ACC opponents. It's complete dominance that Notre Dame uh, has won those games, uh,
2: you know, those consecutive games uh, in, in a row. And I think it really speaks to all of the, you know, the conference talk that everyone wants to talk about that that surrounds Notre Dame. Of oh, if they were in a conference, things would be different. You know, the the conference, would, you know, they wouldn't have as much success. Well, if you're let me if I, if my math is right, if you win all these regular season ACC games, you're going to, I don't know, be in the ACC championship yeah. um, every year. So that means, you know, for all these naysayers, Notre Dame would be playing in that conference championship every year that that says that, you know, that everyone says that they need to be playing. And so I, I thank Mr. Brown for for coming up with that fact because uh, I just didn't know. But it's such an incredible stat and it speaks to Notre Dame's dominance uh, over the last, you know, however many that's got to be kind of oh, a three-year span that that's got to go over
1: it goes all the way back to Miami in 2017 that was the last regular season ACC game they lost now of course they've lost to Clemson a couple of times in the college football playoff but we're talking about regular season ACC games it goes back almost five years it's it, it, like it'll be five years coming up in I think it was November that game took place in in 2017 and I didn't even realize it either like the 42 consecutive wins over unranked teams was something that I knew about coming into the season and of course that lasted uh not at all <laughs> the first unranked team that Marcus Freeman faced unfortunately they lost to but this ACC streak is still intact and I hadn't even thought about it until I saw this quote from Matt Brown and he was talking about it and it's kind of amazing to me that a head coach even knows that stat. You know, like that he would know that it's been it was 25 consecutive going in and now it's at 26. But, you know, like a lot of our viewers are saying ACC isn't very good. That's, you know, what it says to me and you know, that is that is part of it. That's, you know, let's be honest, it's also part of why this ACC agreement has been pretty good for Notre Dame because they get to play five or six power 5 Conference teams a year, just with the ACC in there, you know, on top of USC and and Stanford and and the games that they're they're going to play regularly, they you know, so they get to play a Power Five conference, a conference that really only has one good team right now, one really good team, although Pat Narduzzi at Pittsburgh would like to uh, you know tell you otherwise. Clemson is still it, and the fact that Notre Dame has been able to have that success, you know, again, we. We've only seen one game against an ACC team now this year. We've seen some some squeakers. The last two times they've played Virginia Tech, they have been very close. You know, remember Ian Book had to rally and score that touchdown at the end of the home game a couple of years ago, and then last year they had to rally to beat Virginia Tech on the road. So, you know, that's that's one of those questions that I think Marcus Freeman kind of still has to answer himself is, can he keep that track record of success going more than just one game, but Mac Brown was was very complimentary for for that streak that the Fighting Irish had.
2: Yeah, I think we can't you know forget about also uh, North Carolina State this season. They're another pretty solid team, but you know I the our, the counter argument for the ACC isn't very good. That's every conference, you know. To me, the Big Ten is very front loaded, and and the back end is you know kind of easy outside of Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State here and there you know, Wisconsin here and there, Iowa here and there. And even then Wisconsin, Iowa, Michigan state, they're never, you know, they're never kind of competing nationally. So to me, every, every conference has their weaker end. And I think only about the top 25% or so is what you would consider, you know, good teams. I mean, obviously, you know, the SEC has more better quality teams in some of these conferences, but still that streak is impressive no matter what, if it wasn't, every ac every other ACC team or, or school uh would have that accomplishment as well we'd be saying it about Clemson we'd be saying it about Pittsburgh you know there's their name did beat Pittsburgh did they play a backup quarterback or sorry they beat Clemson did they play a backup quarterback yeah but they still won against a very good team so yeah my counter argument is that you know if, if it were that easy or you know expected or all those things everyone else would be doing it but, well and
1: I mean look at Clemson you know Clemson got beat by a couple ACC teams last year. So their streak isn't as long as Notre Dame's right now. Now, granted, they have to play more ACC teams every year than, than Notre Dame. And, you know, just law of averages, the more you have to play, sooner or later one's going to sneak up on you. But they still, you know, they lost they lost a couple last year. Tyler says he's leaving Elkhart to go to Lawrence, Kansas, for the Kansas-Iowa State game, Give him some spots in Lawrence to eat. One, I would say the wheel, you know, like if, you know, if you want some beverages and uh, some pizza, you get some good pizza and and beverage at the wheel. If you just want a a good sandwich shop, Yellow Sub is a really good place to go. There's a couple Yellow Sub locations. There used to be one right across the street from where we lived uh, at the top of the hill there in in Lawrence. It's actually right across the... uh, the street from the stadium. I'm not sure if it's still there because the last time we were there, you probably remember just they were doing a lot of construction and stuff Mm -hmm. like that, kind of up around the top by the union and all that. But there are a couple yellow subs and the wheel is a good place. Other than that, off the top of my head, I know there's, I want to say there's a good barbecue place downtown, but I can't think of the name because it has been a few years. You know, we only get back there. Once every few years, but uh, those are those are like two spots going back to the college days that I can guarantee. Get the creamy crab if you if you know if you like crab and you like creamy. The creamy crab sandwich at Yellow Sub was always my a number one. So there you go.
2: I just want to say that Drunk Vigo knows, and I could go into a very long rant about this, but the Big Ten is very overhyped, and the only reason they're like they they justify ranking teams in the Big Ten just so the, the top teams in the Big Ten can look good by saying, I oh, think we, so. beat, we beat this ranked team. It's like, yeah, you beat crappy Rutgers. <laughs> like, just for example, you know, it's like, I don't know. I, I hate the Big Ten. I hate that people try to make the argument that the Big Ten is somehow better than the SEC, but yeah, I digress. Not
1: even close. Not even close right now. All right, some more B- Mac Brown on Notre Dame. Quote, they're the best players in the country. That's who they are. They're one of those eight, Teams that recruits the best players in the country every year, end quote from Mac Brown on Notre Dame. So, Jess, do you think he actually meant it or was he just kind of blowing smoke after his team got beaten down by the fighting Irish last weekend?
2: You know, I thought about this one for a little bit and I thought this is Mac Brown. This is a Hall of Fame coach. Um, you know, they they asked a question last week during the game, Notre Dame, North Carolina game, who who are the active, I think like six coaches that have a national championship and Mac Brown is on that list. So, you know, there's a lot of respect on Mac Brown's name. I don't think that he would just be saying those things to say those things. He's at the point of his career where I think he generally meant it. And it has, you know, high praise from him is meaningful. I think it should be taken serious. Um, And, and, you know, I, like I said, I think all of his experience and him being around the game so long, he can recognize a good program um, and good players. And so I'm not buying it just solely because you know he's saying these things just because Notre Dame you know handled his team pretty well uh, in all kind of facets of the game. Was that maybe a part of it? Yeah, but I think the majority of it was just you know natural praise. he was hes he's a coach that knows good football because he's coached good football before.
1: yeah. I think there's a little bit of both though still you know like I think part of it wasn't just like the heaping of praise. On Notre Dame to heap the praise on Notre Dame. I think it was to remind maybe his uh, his alumni and you know administration and and those kind of things. You know, like hey, this is this is a team right there on par with with Clemson. You know, this is a team that's that's up there. They've got some of the best players in the country. That kind of stuff. You know, kind of kind of uh, rationalizes a loss, but at the same time, like all you've got to do is take a look at the recruiting rankings for the last few years and you know like if you look at i think it's what the last 3 he's right Notre Dame is in the top 9 or 10 you get a little bit past that and they've got what around 15 16 and stuff like that but in recent years and and look at where Notre Dame is now even though they've kind of dropped a couple lot you know notches in this current class with some of the decommitments they're still up there in the top 8 right now so he's absolutely right Along those lines, but I I definitely think it kind of, you know, helps his case (laughs) that that he can say, "Hey, we didn't just lose to anybody. We, you know, we lost to one of the top teams in the country. Just look at who they're recruiting. That kind of stuff.
2: Doing their recruiting. Yeah, I mean, it's him. It's uh, you know, win or I guess it's a win-win. You know, like he he gets to look like nice guy, and at the same time, he's covering
1: his tracks. Yep. And as Vigo says. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. All right, Jess, with the length of college football games just shy of three and a half hours long, currently, the NCAA is considering restarting the clock after incomplete passes. And I saw Brady Quinn tweet this about it the other day. And there was a big article in The Athletic yesterday about this, you know, things that are being examined. And Brady Quinn Tweeted, for the love of God, just stop stopping the clock after a gained first down. There's another league called the NFL that seems to get it right. So, Jess, what would you do to pick up the pace of college football games? To me, that this this is a very simple
2: and obvious answer. There's two things I would do. Uh during the game, I would eliminate, like Quinn said.
1: Uh-oh. Are you there?
2: Yeah. Can you guys oh. hear me still? Yep, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. I thought you were uh No, I was I, I put
1: the finger up for one and then I was oh. gonna yeah. Okay. Sorry, I didn't mean to throw you off there.
2: No, no, I thought you meant like you couldn't hear me or something. So <laughs> nope, back nope, you're good. Back on back on schedule. Yeah. So number one, I, I would get rid of the automatic, you know, clock stoppage uh after each first down, kind of like what Quinn was talking about. Uh go to the NFL style. Um, and then the, the next major change that I would I would make that's pretty simple in my opinion. Is just shortening halftime. I think it's the, the worst part about college football. You can easily cut 10-15 minutes off if you just shorten halftime. Um, so yeah, those are the two things I would do. Outside of that, I think you know, for it there's a reason that the, the rules aren't the same for college and NFL because one is amateur and one is professional. So I don't mind that there's difference in rules and that the games go a little bit longer, it's expected, but there are a couple of things that they could do to clean it up. And I think, you know, just getting a first down should not warrant a clock stop just because they're resetting the chains. Um, And I think shortening halftime is another one, but obviously there's bands and all that kind of stuff and different, you know, alumni being honored at halftime. So there's, it's, it's never going to happen. I don't think because of those reasons, booster money, you know, recognition for that, you know, the marketing kind of stuff. So to me, the, the real, only change is just eliminating the clock stop after each first down. I think that that would save a lot of time. Um, And I'm not, I I would never stop the clock, uh, or sorry, run the clock after incomplete pass. I think that's completely ludicrous. Um, Well, you know,
1: like they would stop it, I think, long enough, you know, kind of like after a first down, they would stop it long enough to spot it and then get it restarted right away, basically. I, I think that's kind of what they're alluding to. I think a lot of people, and again, reading this article, what you mentioned about halftime was in there. College halftime is 20 minutes. Doesn't it seem like it's closer to 30 minutes than 20 it minutes? It always feels like 30 minutes. <laughs> it's, it's like, yeah, I don't know if Notre Dame's is longer. Maybe I need to put a stopwatch to it. But apparently that has been brought up a lot. And because of TV contracts and stuff like that, they have... The NCAA in college football, they have pushed them to keep it at 20 minutes. They don't want them to cut it because of what you're saying. You know, you got to have the band play and all these different things. There obviously is some, you know, more pageantry in college football, even though I think a lot of that is going away. It would help if you could, you know, cut halftime, but I don't think that that's going to happen. But just what you said, like, I, I think the biggest thing, Is after a first down, you don't have to stop the clock all the time. And the second thing, and I saw somebody else mention this, and it's already, you know, kind of gone by in the scroll. I didn't get a chance to hit the star button. Tyler though says he's with Brady Quinn. The other thing is stop stop making every play up for review. And now apparently there have been on average fewer reviews so far this season, but at the same time, when in college football, you can in theory, not just in theory, any play is subject to review. even though you know we've seen plays that should have been reviewed that weren't reviewed, but when any play is subject to review, it bogs things down. And between that and the fact that you are stopping the clock after every first down, I think those two things would at least help. I, I would think that that would shave some time off it. Now the other thing though, uh, th- that's mentioned in this article, is the proliferation of passing offenses, you know, and that's been a big part of it as well. And you're never going to be able to correct that because just the fact that when you have more passes, that means you have more incompletions, which means that the clock is naturally going to stop more, you know, and I guess that's, you know, this goes back to, you know, what college football is talking about with, you know, where we started with this topic if there are more passes and you you know you quit stopping the clock after incomplete passes, then it keeps the clock, you know, running and and moving things along. I just don't think that that's a good idea, though.
2: I think another another one just came to me, and I like this one uh, from the NFL. Is I don't think that guys stepping out of bounds like incidentally, the clock should stop. Like if there's, I read the rule in the NFL, and I think predominantly it's if your forward progress is stopped, but you still go out of bounds uh the clock isn't going to stop so I think that unless there is a concerted effort where the guy is you know clearly trying to get out of bounds that 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 should be a stoppage of the clock I think that's another one I feel like oftentimes there's too many times you know plays on the sideline where the clock is being stopped and it's just because a guy you know he's not he's not trying to go out of bounds he's just incidentally because of you know play and that kind of thing. He's, he's just, they're just going out of bounds. Yeah.
1: John says long games don't bother him. The only thing he changes the overtime rules <laughs> ball should be spotted at the 40. No first downs. Each team gets five plays total to score. I think the 40 might be too long. Like I, I think, I think the 30 like might be I'd my spot 30
2: in like seven plays.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That that's probably a good idea. Like put a max on, how many plays rather than, you know, you can pick up multiple, you know, all these first downs and all that kind of stuff. But, uh, Stymie says, correct. Stopping forward progress takes precedent. Try harder if you need to get out of bounds. Yeah. I would agree with that as well. So, you know, it's, it's it, it is funny though because like we're so used to watching Notre Dame games as well on NBC and those games have always taken longer on average than you know like if Notre Dame plays on ABC or ESPN typically those games are going to be shorter than an NBC game you know so it's just some of it depends on where you're watching I think as well